Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. Welcome to everybody online, everybody here this morning. It's great to see you all here, present, oh, something good about that, and I uh, hope you're all, everybody's doing well. Um, we, those of you who are visiting with us, we have been in this series on discipleship, and uh, I'm just going to dive in here this morning. In the seat back in front of you or back in the fireplace room, we have these little trifolds, and this is our expression. This is going to be, this is ongoing being developed, obviously, but this is kind of a quick outline of our first steps that we're offering for people to be involved in discipleship. And you'll see on here that basically we go through the movements of our tagline, here's a church, which is grace, growth, and greater things. And that is exactly what, um, what we see Jesus doing. It's kind of the gospel movement of the New Testament. It's what Jesus did with his disciples. This is what we should be growing in, growing in grace, growing, growing, right, spiritually and in all different ways. And then growing in greater things is that uh, experiencing uh, life with Jesus. And this flow is, is lear- getting new from grace is receiving new life in Jesus. What does that all mean? What does salvation mean? What does Jesus come to do for us on the cross and his resurrection? What is this new life all about? And then we're to move into that to, to Jesus calls us to be like him. He has this amazing blessing of the Holy Spirit poured out in us, comes inside us, and, and is there. It's the power we're to lean on, this radical shift from the Old Testament and the law and religion into a relationship with God and grace that we'd lean on his spirit inside us to grow and to become like Jesus. That is his desire for each one of us, right, to become fully what we were created to be, and that is to follow Jesus, to be like him. And then there's another movement, which is greater things, and I think this is the one that I think if we're all honest, we probably have heard least about or experienced least about, and um, part of discipleship, what Jesus did with the disciples is he wants us to minister to others like he did. Now, that's a big deal, and that's a little overwhelming for us, Right? And this is exactly what Jesus did with the disciples. We see in the book of Acts, this is what the disciples did with the next uh, generation of leaders, is to minister, is to carry on the work of the kingdom and the gospel like Jesus did. And uh, this is the piece of discipleship that quite often is, is missed in this, uh, in this whole call of, of discipleship, and it can be really uh, overwhelming. And so I want to talk about this issue this morning. We're in, going to be in Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 17. And, and just if you want to follow along, what we're doing is we're just kind of moving through the gospel of Luke. And each week we're taking a different piece of discipleship in the gospel of Luke. Some of the harder passages on discipleship, the key passages on discipleship, and just breaking those down um, every week as we're launching this, this idea of discipleship in the church at a whole new level. In other words, this year we're kind of diving into this uh, idea called our People Building Project, and uh, we're starting here with discipleship. That's the foundation of the Great Commission, what God calls us to, and uh, we'll move into some other things later uh, in the year. But I would just encourage you to take one of these with you. Take a look over it. We'd love to talk to you about it. And, and what does this process, what does it look like to, to get into a discipleship group, ladies or men, and to journey with uh, others on this journey of discipleship? It is uh, the context of growing and becoming all that God would have us uh, to be. Now, here's a, a principle this morning that we're going to dive into. 
And it's uh, simply this, is that an appetite for God, a growing appetite for God, will develop a growing appetite for the impossible. So I want that to sink in. A growing appetite for God, a hunger, a growing sense of, of relationship with God will develop by nature because God is a supernatural God and, and wants to do the impossible. It will develop a growing sense of the impossible in our own lives, an appetite for the impossible, an appetite to see God do what only he can do, right? To see changed lives, to see people come to Jesus, to see people healed, to see people delivered, set free from bonds and everything. This should be, this is what we call the rising of faith, right? In a body, in a group of people, in a person's life. It is impossible to, to grow in the knowledge and intimacy of God without at the same time, a growing sense of a desire, right? An appetite to see God do what only he can do, right? In our life and in the world around us. And uh, we're going to see here that Jesus, part of his teaching and moving his disciples to this idea of greater things and sparking this in, inside them is this idea, this powerful statement. This is kind of the title of this morning is you give them something to eat. Faced with 5,000 men and maybe 10 to 20,000 total people, women and children, the disciples looked at the situation. They're out in the desert. Jesus is preaching and healing all day long, ministry all day long, and the sun was going down, and they were way off, right, in the wilderness. And the disciples just take what we all would do, a natural look at things. Hey, send them away, Jesus. Get, get them back to home. Get them back to the villages to get a place to sleep and, and uh, get some food. And what does Jesus say? You give them something to eat. And I want that to sink in because this is discipleship. We don't learn to walk with Jesus until we start taking these steps of, of realizing in our life God wants us to take steps, He wants us to feed. He wants us to carry on his ministry, He wants us to partner with Him in doing what is impossible for us to do alone. This is where the abundant life is. This is where the excitement is. This is the, the first part of the Beatitudes that we see. This is blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of God. The only way to get poor in spirit is to be faced with a situation where you only have got a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish, but you have 20,000 possible people you have to feed. Lord, I'm, this is all I got. Two fishes, five loaves. This is all I have. Lord, what, what, what will you do? And then, remember, as we're going to read, he breaks the bread, and he gives it to his disciples. This is a powerful lesson of discipleship. Jesus didn't perform this miracle for the people. He gave it to his disciples. Now, you go feed the people. You organize them in 50, and you take the bread, and you watch what happens when you step out in faith and trust the Lord to do the impossible. A key lesson in discipleship. And I, I just think that this is, I don't think I know, just this is a piece, an element of discipleship that's so much missing because um, so much of our discipleship, which is good, is Bible knowledge and theology and training and everything. But boy, we've got to get to the point, right? As we're going to read here where there's a sending out, there's a stepping out. There's a sense of, of, of having uh, not much in relying on God to do something great with our efforts, with our prayers, with, our, with what we have, our two fishes, our, our loves, right? And seeing God move and do something powerful. 
And so uh, I hope this, this sits in and, and we'll move in. Hopefully we'll have some testimony here at the end you know, about this. I, I hope that you have experienced in your life something of that kind of miracle where, man, all I've got, Lord, is this. What can you do? What will you do? Lord, I don't know much. I, I, I don't know much theology. I don't know the Bible real well, but Lord, I, I love you, Jesus, and, and, and this person is, needs you, Jesus. And, and so, Lord, I, I step into that relationship. I'm willing to share my faith. I'm willing to engage them. Lord, you give me the words, right? And, and this has to be restored today. We need to plead before God. This is overwhelming for all of us. Right? This, this element is threatening. This is where the rubber meets the road, where we're called to step out and trust God to pull through in that, in that moment and, and, and see something and do something, right? This is called faith in action. This is called depending on the power of the Spirit of God to move and do what we can't do, right, on, on our own. And so with that said, let's um, dive in here this morning to Luke chapter 9. I hope you have your Bibles and and I'm going to read this for us, and then we'll come back and just, uh, I just want to point out a few things for us in this journey. As I, I said, we've been looking through the gospel of Luke at, um, at the different aspects of, of Jesus. We looked at chapter 6 of Luke last week, and, and, uh, and Jesus is moving. Remember, he has a larger body of disciples following him. He's called his 12. We looked at last week. He, out of that larger group, he called 12 to be apostles, to be his leaders, and he's moving and just ministering to people, village to village. And he's equipping all along with a, a priority on his relationship with his disciples. He's teaching them. But now we're going to see he's starting to put them out there. At early, at, at, at early on, so in other words, what I'd say for all of us is we can't say, oh, I don't know much. Man, I haven't done this Christian life for very long, so I, boy, I can't share my faith with somebody, or I can't go pray for somebody and expect God to do something. Is What we're going to see here is <laughs> these disciples, they're fresh in, and Jesus launches them out to preach the kingdom of God, heal the sick, and deliver people. Wow. Wow. It seems to me that like that's double diamond type stuff just for like the superhero like Christians, right? But Jesus does this with his disciples early on. You got to learn to depend on Jesus. And um, this is a key aspect of, uh, of discipleship. So this is Luke chapter 9. Listen to this. Verse 1. And he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. Remember, these guys are fresh into this deal. Go do it. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no, don't have two tunics, and whatever house you enter, stay there, and, from, and don't depart from there. And wherever they, and wherever they do not receive you when you leave that town. Shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, who is the king, the tetrarch, heard about all that was happening. And he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. And Herod said, John, I beheaded. I was John the Baptist. But who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. 
on the return now, the 12 returning, the apostles told all that they had done. And Jesus took them and he withdrew apart to a place called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him and he welcomed them and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God and he cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away and the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging to get provisions for, um, we're in a desolate place here. But he said to them, you give them something. You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we're to go and, you know, and this is, you know, you can just hear it in the subs, unless we're to go and somehow buy food for these people. For there were about 5,000 men. It's not including the women and children. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. They obeyed and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and they were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. The word of God. Father, I just ask you to come now, and, and Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll take the, this truth, your word, Lord, that you would set it deep in our hearts, Lord, that you would awaken us, you'd speak to us very personally, very powerfully this morning, Lord, convict us, encourage us, strengthen us, but just hear, Lord, what your spirit has to say, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, a couple things this morning, again, just to look at here in this text. Uh, the first part about this is um, this idea that Jesus sent his 12 out, and he sent them out with nothing. He says, be completely, yeah, I mean, nothing. Go to these villages and start just, the only thing he says, preach the kingdom. Preach the kingdom. Heal the sick where the sick are, right? And deliver those who are oppressed, and when you engage people, is if they invite you into their home, stay there. Do not move from there. Stay and bless. Bring your peace. And we'll get more into this in Luke chapter 10, um, the next chapter, because uh, he sends out the 72 to do the same thing, not just the 12 apostles. So throughout, and he says, don't take a knapsack, don't take anything, and go. And, and throughout church history, it's interesting how we've interpreted this. Some have said, oh, this was a, a one time, and you know, this was a unique situation. In that culture, it's not relevant today. That was just for the children of Israel and blah, 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 blah. The problem is there's no proof of that. Nothing in this text, right, says that, that this was just for then. In other words, because what did we just read about back in chapter 6, right? The Beatitudes, blessed are the what? The poor. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so the message for all of us in this is, wow, when have I ever been poor? When have I ever really, and let's just think about this, gang. When have I ever had to really depend on God? I mean, does anybody here had to depend on him for food? I mean, maybe here or there. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, when do we really ever have to really press in and Lord God, unless you move, unless you follow through here? It's not part of our life, especially as Westerners who have affluence and, you know, everything quick at our access is this is just not something so built into our very life is, is a dependence not on God. We quickly jump out to medicine, to all the other things around us, right? Rather than to depend on God 
to lead and to guide us, right? And so this is exactly what he's doing. He's training them to be poor in spirit, to learn what it is to, to go and minister and be completely on God for everything. And um, what's exciting here, in, in a couple weeks when we do get to that section in chapter 10 where he sends out the 72, I'm going to share some incredible testimony of this is exactly how Rick and Colleen train and we send out our leaders in northern um, India to, to do. We call them Luke 10 trips. They go out, nothing, for a few days, get dropped off, go village to village. Um, the last one that Rick went on is that one night, they, they, the man of peace, the person they met that engaged them, blessed them and fed them, they stayed in his barn and went from village to village and still following up with some of these people. And I'm going to put up on the screen here just some handwritten testimony of these guys going out to their villages, visiting different cities and doing the exact same thing and not taking anything, trusting that God's going to lead them to a household of somebody who's hungry for God. And what they do is, and now they're going back and they're developing little, little house churches with these people who are hungry and keep visiting them. It's, it's, it's what we see in the New Testament. And the beauty about this is, guess what? You're going to have opportunity to be a part of that. And uh, those that you, that, of you that would like. And what we need to do is think about, what does that look like in our context? We get so caught up in being relevant, and we get so caught up being relevant, we never actually do any kingdom work. We never really have to step out and, and depend on God to, to do something. We, we fall back on our own skills, our own things, rather than trusting God, right, to, to come through. So, um, and I'm going to share a lot more about that in a couple weeks, some really, really cool stuff that's going on through our ministry in, uh, in Nepal and India. Um, this next section, what is this all about? Herod, the king here, he heard about this. Um, I'm not going to say too much. I want to leave this with you. Politicians are attracted to crowds because crowds give them a platform. Politicians are people of power. When they see power, it gets even more attention. Right? You can manipulate a crowd. But when power of the kingdom is present, a whole new level of engagement takes place. It's a threat to the established powers of the world. And this is exactly what got Herod's attention, right? So just think about that when we think about the kingdom of this world and the kingdom of God. If God's people are doing what we're called to do, we're to bring the kingdom of heaven, we're to bring the power of God into the the world. And always, as we see through the New Testament, that's what causes a stink in a good way. It brings people to a crisis of faith to have to really wrestle, right? They just can't just hide in the crowd. Oh, this is a great show. This is a great thing going on. No, when they see radical lives changed, people delivered, people healed, when they see the presence of the power of God present among, it brings people to a crisis of faith. I have to choose one way or the other. Which, where am I going to go? What am I going to do with this, right? In the midst of preaching the glory, glorious gospel of the kingdom. So let's move down here a little bit to uh, um, the, the primary section I want us to kind of dive into a little bit this morning is the feeding of 5,000. And... Um, just a, a couple little things. Verse 10, it says, On the return, the apostles told him all. 
You might, if you have your Bible, circle that all and write next to it the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Because remember, the Great Commission is go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? And teaching them all that I taught you. Teach them everything. And this is exactly, in other words, in obedience to the Great Commission, they had come back and reported all that they had done. And the all that they had done was the preaching and the ministry just like Jesus did and taught them, which is the same thing that we're to be, right, teaching. And, and folks, I, I, think it was, I think it was Dallas Willard that said he, <clears throat> when he was alive, he said he, he always looks, when he would travel and teach in churches, he always is, was looking for the church that actually had a plan to obey the Great Commission, he has a book called The Great Omission, which is a phenomenal book, by the way, if, uh, if you want a good read. And the idea of The Great Omission is that in America, we've omitted the main part of that discipleship, The Great Commission, which is to teach everything Jesus did, all, right? Which is exactly what we read here, where most of our discipleship has been just intellectually Bible study, information about God. It hasn't been the all. It hasn't been the sending out, right? It's, it's a huge void, Right of, of what, um, what was done. And so our efforts here to, to present a plan, this is the beginning piece of this. We have our E4 classes and everything else is to, to journey on this together, to encourage each other. Lord, we want to obey your word. We want to, to see and to learn to, to be your disciples, right? And to, um, to uh, uh, follow in your footsteps. And, and so our plan as such is to cover that whole context, right? That we would, as a church body, a family, be able to walk alongside each other to, to, uh, to learn this. How do we do this? How do we follow Jesus? How do we lay hold of, of this stuff? Folks, a, a, a lifestyle that is not stepping out and expecting the impossible is a lifestyle that doesn't need the supernatural power of God, right? A, a lifestyle that is, is, doesn't have an appetite for the impossible is, is, is a lifestyle that doesn't need God to move. And honestly, I speak for myself, right? Isn't this how much we live? And there's how much do, of our life do we really wrestle with God? Please move. Is that, in, is that moving in how we pray for people and things? In other words, right now, is there something that's just on your heart that you are desperate for God to do, even this morning, that only God can do? Or in our minds, is there a sense of, well, I'll figure this out, or I'll do this, or I'll do that, or I'll talk to this person or that person? Is there in this morning, is there prayer requests, is there in your own life desperation, right, that unless, God, unless you move, a desire for the impossible, a desire for God to do what only God can do? This should permeate the house of God. should permeate, right, the, the church, right, itself. And so um, we see Jesus is teaching them that you can just picture it, maybe 20,000, who knows, but thousands of people out in this place, and they're there to hear Jesus. But remember, not just to hear him, but they're also there because he's healing them. And, and if you read the context all the needs that are only needs that God can do are being addressed. And this is what is causing the stink, right? And um, in the midst of all that, and that is very draining. Ministry is draining. 
when you're ministering and just pouring yourself out to people, pleading, interceding for people, it is draining. And the disciples were like, Jesus, please send them away. We need a break. But also, they need some food, you know? And we do too. In the midst of that, in the midst of uh, the end of the day, everybody's tired and there, there's, a, there's this kind of desperate situation. Jesus turns to them and says, you give them something to eat. You do it. And you know that that's discipleship? This is what Jesus wants to do in our life. He wants us to answer and be available for him to be able to tell us, you, Steve, you go, you feed them. Steve, you take care of that, that issue. And I know that you don't have much knowledge. I know that you don't have much resource, but guess what? Step out and see. Let's see. Partner with me is what God says, and let's see right, what God will do right, in the midst of this. Um. All right, just a couple little things to think. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but um, I think it's important just for us to bring this in context here. Discipleship is not slacktivism or activism. Anybody heard of the word slacktivism? Nobody? Seriously. That's a, that's a real word, by the way. So slacktivism, <laughs> slacktivism is is me posting things or giving a little bit of money to things, wanting to be a part of something and be an activist, but not willing to really do anything. It's what, this, it's what the whole social media thing has created. Slacktivism is, oh, oh I, I want to repost this. I want to send this out like I'm really involved in this, in this cause, but not really giving my life too much of it. That's slacktivism. Activism is taking it a step further, which is I have a cause in life, and I'm putting money behind it. I'm putting time behind it. I'm, I'm involved in it, right? And it's my cause, whatever that is, right? Do not misunderstand what I'm about to say here, but this is really important uh, for us to understand. And if I had time, if I had a message to sit down and talk to millennials about, I, I would dive in on this issue right now in our culture today, right? Because this is absolutely critical. Discipleship is not slacktivism. It's not activism. It's discipleship. And the reality is, hey, praise the Lord for some of the things going on. So do not hear me say, when it comes to sex trafficking, when it comes to just going on the list of things, feeding the poor and, and on and on and on. These are awesome education and medical stuff. Uh, phenomenal. And the reality is throughout the history of the world is that it's Christian hospitals. It's, it's the, around the world. When you see some great effort being done right, to bring water to people and other things, it's believers who are doing that. But here's the problem. Here's the thing we have to, to um, understand is activism is not discipleship. It is an outflow of discipleship. And the problem today is in the church is that we have put activism above discipleship. And so we have a lot of cause without discipleship, without a partnering with the power of God to actually change the soul in the midst of pursuing all these other things. And when I say discipleship is not activism, what I mean, or slacktivism, what I mean by that is, is that the, the tragedy is, is this is exactly what's happened in the church in America. Is that we want to follow Jesus. We want to post our nice Jesus wonderful quotes. We want to post our biblical verses. We want to go to church. But Christians in America do not want to follow Jesus in discipleship. I want that to sink in. We want to see, be seen as Christians. We want to do the Christian thing. But we're not willing 
to really follow Jesus in discipleship and what this means to follow him and get into the school of discipleship to be trained to live like he lived, to minister with him. And it's only in discipleship that those things happen. Not Bible study, not programs. All those things are great and there's a place for them. It is only what we see, again, the Great Commission is go do what I did with you, 12. Right? It's in that context right, of deeply relational working through and challenge and accountability and everything else that we come into this stuff. This is where the abundant life is, is, is at, right? And uh, I love the end of this. It talks about being, they were satisfied. Folks, don't, don't miss. Don't miss the, the leftovers. God is a God of abundance. He's a God of abundance, right? And so this, this idea of activism is that, man, our discipleship should create, right, and, and should be at the base of the foundation of any cause, any efforts I do. My priority should be on deeming disciples. And am I following Jesus? And, and we're going to get to these tough verses where Jesus walk along. People say, I'll follow Jesus wherever you go. Have you really thought about the cost of that? The son of man doesn't have a place to lay his head. So rethink that. Jesus, I'll follow wherever you want to go. But first, let me go bury my dad. Let the dead bury the dead. Whoa. We'll talk about that, right? And again, I, I think we have to wrestle with, wow, well, what does it mean to really follow Jesus? And this is what we're diving into, right? This is where the life, this is where the good stuff comes. This is where the change comes in the midst of, of discipleship. And so uh, this last thing is discipleship is growing an appetite for God and the impossible. It's in discipleship that we first, we see what did Jesus do? He was first with them. He overwhelmed them with who he was and it was a slow process even for them to really come. To, and we're the next... Uh, part we get to in this chapter is actually Peter being the first to recognize, well, you're the guy. You're God. Wow. And folks, it takes, it's in discipleship. Evangelism, discipleship should never be separated. When somebody comes to faith in, in Jesus, they immediately should start walking with, with others in learning how to follow God. They should never be separated. That's Again, we've separated these things out in in uh, American Christianity, they should be together. As soon as there should be a sharing with people and an inviting into a journey. And sometimes in that journey, people haven't really come to realize, really, he's the Lord. He's, he's God. He's the one who spoke this into creation. It's, it takes a journey sometimes to have that reality of really what it is to be saved. Because it's a process. Because it's a process, right. And as we talked about last week, we have to be patient with the process. The deep things of our soul take time. And discipleship should be this gracious place of walking alongside, loving each other, considering where each other's at. We're talking as elders, Mike's leading us in life story, understanding each other's lives and how God's working in our lives so we can apply, right, the gospel to that. That's discipleship. But it doesn't happen in a large gathering. It happens in small gatherings of intimate connection of trust and accountability. And, and let's go, attitude. Let's do this. See what God would do. See what he has for us, right? And, um, you know, I think, uh, man, um, this idea of, of an appetite for God, it starts there, right? It, I, I first have to, uh, to, uh, to, to just be in love with God. And you know what? We need each other. We need someone who's further along, who's more affectionate, who, who has a great appetite for God. To, to, you catch that. Do you know that? 
you catch it from somebody. Faith, as Romans says, faith to faith. Faith to faith, right? And, um, and I just think all through the scripture, I think of David. How did David kill a giant? How did David do the impossible? It's because David had an appetite first for God. In the midst of caring for his sheep, he what? He wrote worship songs. He was with God. He praised God. He knew God. And because David knew the living God, when he stepped into a battlefield where it looked impossible, right? He was able to what? Be used of God to conquer a giant. And you know what, folks? Do you believe God wants to use you the same way? And that's discipleship. To get you to a place, to get me to a place where my knowledge of God is on fire, right? And I'm growing my intimacy with him. And, and, and a part of that is this growing sense of, Lord, come on. I'm willing to step out. Let's see you do something great. Let's step into this darkness. Let's step into this situation around the world, here in our own community, in a person's life. Let's see you do something great. Let's see you, through our intercession, do something awesome in this person's life. That's the full journey of discipleship. God wants you. He didn't save you to have you sit around and just kind of fill your head up with a bunch of knowledge and check the box, right? That's slacktivism. He saved you to be a disciple. Save me to be a disciple. That means learning to follow Jesus and do what he did. Carry on, right, his, his mission. And uh, just the final point there is uh, um, how many of y'all do in the daily audio Bible? Um, on a daily basis. Awesome. Keep at it. I know we're in Leviticus. Tough stuff here. So just hang in there and, and focus on those questions. Let's help engage each other on this stuff, right? But here's the deal. Why all the blood? Why all the sacrifice? Why all the laws? Why, why all of this detailed stuff that the priests have to go through and the people have to go through so that they can what? Why? Be holy. Be set apart. All of this is a sign, right? And we should read the Old Testament. It should be overwhelming for the Israelites. What they should be saying is coming to place of, Lord, this, is, this law is overwhelming. I just want your presence. And the heart of God is, is in read this last couple of days, whenever it was, it talked about they did all this and they put the blood, they prepared everything, they prepared the holy ground for the people. And what happened? Don't underline, double underline in God's presence, what? Glory fell. His presence came. His living manifest presence came to be with the people. Right? The fire by night, the cloud by day, it was there. And even more powerfully, it was there right in the tabernacle, right? The, can you imagine being camped and you're, you're sitting there and God's right there? <laughs> Woo! Here's, here's the overwhelming thing is that God, at the heart of hearts, God desires to be with you. And the Old Testament should just be this overarching thing of God. How burdensome is that law? We're on this side of it, folks. That should move us to see the amazing, radical love of God is we don't have to do any of that. The lamb has been slain. So that as God's people gather together, he's present here. He's present the problem today that we've got to see awaken is where's the passion for his presence? Where is the disturbance when something impossible is not happening? Where's the disturbance when you don't experience the manifest fire of God when you meet with God's people? 
Never in the Bible was there. Look at the New Testament. The fire of Pentecost, the people that came together to pray again, the you know, roof shattered. In other words, they longed for that in the midst of when they gathered. Because he promised, where you gather, I'm there. Why does it not bother us Americans when we don't have the manifest presence of God among us, working, moving, changing hearts? He's here. He's His Spirit. It doesn't leave. We don't have to go through all that. Jesus fulfilled all that. We should be the most joyful, radically dancing type people there are on the face of the earth because of what Jesus has done for us that we can go straight to the presence of God even in the midst of all my crap. He's covered it. And I ask anybody watching online, anybody here, if you don't know Jesus, you're missing life. Life. And so come this morning. Give your heart to Jesus. It's simple, but it's costly. You gotta be willing to follow him. Right? Got to be willing to follow him as the Lord, the King of the universe, the Savior of the universe. And start this glorious journey with us of discipleship, learning to be with him, to love him, to have affection for him, to, to have an appetite for God, to change all of our appetites. And, that, and with that, an appetite for the impossible, an appetite to see God do great things through his church and his people again. So uh, I just want to take some time and pray and for us. And, uh, and if there's some testimonies, let's just see what the Spirit of God, what the response is um, this morning. And we have a testimony. going to pray for Marianne this morning for sure. As we send her out, right? I know, it's going to be a very sad but joyful thing too. Father, thank you, Lord. Um, and Derek, if you would just come and just lead us with piano or guitar and Let's enjoy his presence. Father, we come to you. And um, Lord, I, I ask forgiveness. I, Lord, forgive me for just being okay with status quo. Lord, for being okay when, when I don't see you powerfully moving in my heart and, and around me. Lord, you desire to be with us in a tangible, powerful way. And Lord, Lord, we first have to just learn to love you. It's in the midst of that, Lord, that you desire. Lord, you says your eyes look to and fro. You desire to come to the church, to the person that's hungry for you, has an appetite for you, to do great things. Lord, we ask that you would do that right here in this little mountain church. Lord, come. Lord, fire by night, cloud by your presence, God, that now comes by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, to dwell with us. Holy Spirit, come. Move among us. Encourage your people. Do your work now, God. Let us just enjoy you. Let the testimonies fly, Lord. The fruit of the Spirit take over love and joy and peace and on and on. Lord, let us be a people of prayer, expecting great things because you're a great God. Just enjoy him. Learn to tune your ear into what the Spirit of God is saying to you.
Stand up here if you will. Hi, everybody. <sighs> I'm going to cry, so sorry for that. Um, so, yeah, when I was, I think, 15 or 16, I remember telling my mom, um, I want to marry a guy that has a big family so I can be part of that. But for sure, God had a greater and better plan for me, and I ended up with the Reagans. And they became my second family so easily. Um, just by the way they go through life and share the gospel and share God's love. I was just like, I wanted more of that. I wanted more of God and I wanted to know him better and know how is it to go through life with that joy and sharing it so easy with everybody. So later on I got into God's family. Um, I was baptized one day before my 23rd birthday. Um, and it's been an amazing journey, not an easy one for sure, but I'm so glad I had them to go through it with me. Um, and yeah, I've been uh, discipled by Becca the last four months, and it's just so amazing how when you start facing your wounds and facing those places in your heart that need to be healed, it's awesome to see how God works and how he wants more of you and he wants to share him with you. Um, and the best part about healing is, is not just for you, but for the people around you and for the people that is to come in your life. So, yeah, and the best thing about healing is that it's available, it's right there. You just need to ask for it, you just need to reach for it. And do life with the right people and, and great church. So, yeah, I'm just so thankful that I had these almost three years to do life with the Reagans and with this church um, and to make memory that will always be with me. So yeah, thanks for being my home away from home. And yeah, I just want to, yeah, it's just so awesome to see how God works and how he always wants us to be seeking for him and chasing him, but he's always there. And when we feel that we are away from him, we need to remember that he was not the one who stepped out. So, yeah, thank you. Woo! Um, we love you. You've been like a, a sister to me and the other female in my family that I needed so much. <laughs> um, so, um, if Mariana has blessed you or if you have gotten to know her over this time, I just ask that you would extend a hand to her as we pray. But I just wanted to pray Joshua 1-9 over you. Um, yeah, and um, please, guys, if you want to come up, please. Sorry, I'm so snotty right now. Sorry. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And Mariana, I've just seen you blossom and grow from a girl who was hurt and wounded and closed up to this amazing, beautiful rose that has turned into somebody who loves Jesus. You're an example to my boys. You've been a huge blessing to our family um, and to our church and to 
our company and to all those who you've encountered. Your joy is contagious, and I just release more abundant joy over you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to say, if you guys have encountered Mariana, you know that she is fearless. Okay? I just noticed that about her. She's always just in, in, in talking about discipleship and tying that in with Steve's messages, how encouraging that is to see someone grow because of their fearlessness and stepping out and doing the things that God's calling them to. I mean, immediately she just, I mean, we, we drug her to two services here. I'm saying drug her, but she was willing. She was wanting to be here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Even when we weren't here, she would come. And, and, and then, you know, to step in and, and, and want to be baptized and to step in and want to be discipled in the in a cold, I mean, just countless things. I mean, I could be here for hours telling about jumping off cliffs and all these other things that she would do and, and, and just, just a fearlessness about her and, and to come in into this town not knowing anyone, to come into this church not knowing anyone. I believe more people here know her now than they know me and our family. You know, she's just, she's just fearless in, in stepping out. And I think that's something God's giving her, given her as a gift um, as she's being sent out right now, that she's going to step into things carrying the kingdom with her um, to, to change lives around her. So we just want to pray that over you. And I, I just, as Steve was in Luke, and we, we were talked about this this week in our men's group in, in Luke 11, it says, about the Father and, and how much, if, if our earthly, earthly fathers desire to give us good things, even though they're sinful, how much more does our Heavenly Father desire to give us the Holy Spirit? And so that's the thing He wants us to have most, is that relationship with Him and His Holy Spirit to go and do His work, um, to bring Him glory. So Lord, we just, we just pray that You would release um, over Mariana as You sent her out, Lord God, just this amazing anointing and power of Your Holy Spirit, Lord. Uh, just to carry the love, your love, Lord God, into into wherever she goes, Lord. And I just thank you, Lord, for this fearlessness in her, God, that you've created, that you've birthed in her, Lord, breathed into her, God, that, that is such a, um, Lord, such an, um, a beautiful thing, God, for others to see and, and latch onto, Lord. And I just pray that you would fan that into flames now as you send her, Lord. And thank you for the blessing that she has been to us and our family and this church, God, as she served this body has she served our family? Has she served others in this town, um, Lord, with, with, a, with a reckless abandonment, Lord, of, of the world to, to pursue you? And, Lord, we thank you for that. And we just praise and honor you this morning, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, not only fearlessness, but I just want to point out how beautiful it is when you walk into a room and all of the children whose lives you've touched come running and jumping into your arms. You have not only blessed the adults, but you've been such a blessing for all the children, not just the Reagan boys. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more about Crossroads Church, visit our website at ccaspen.com.